from Mackey Auditorium in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with part two of a special show with this week's guests. From Los Angeles, Madison Cunningham, author and climate activist Margaret Klein-Solomon, and also from Los Angeles, Rufus Wainwright. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, please welcome our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to Mackey Auditorium, where E-Town is coming to you live from the campus of the University of Colorado. We've got so much good stuff to bring you this week. Rufus Wainwright is here, originally from Montreal and New York, now living in Los Angeles. So much creative energy, great singer and songwriter. And of course, he has a new record called Folkocracy, and he'll play some songs from that. We've got author and psychologist and climate activist Margaret Klein-Solomon is here. She'll be out to talk to us in a bit. But up first, a wonderful singer-songwriter from Los Angeles. Madison Cunningham is such a unique guitarist, really talented vocalist. She was homeschooled in Southern California. Her dad was the pastor of a church, and so she was playing and singing in church since she was a little kid. When she turned 18, she moved to Los Angeles and immediately got involved in the music scene there. Pretty soon she was in an Andrew Bird's band and she was playing with Chris Thiele and others. She's put out a few records, the most recent of which won a Grammy last year for Best Folk Record. She's so talented and we're thrilled that she's here. Please help me welcome to E-Town for her first visit, Madison Cunningham. of the crime don't underestimate the murder your eyes can commit killing me so tenderly when you won't just admit you're suffering gold rushing mercury indoctrination spoon some by the way in mercy some get taken out too soon the rest of us run underneath like rain in the ravine Flowing with bloodline and pollution trying to get clean Laughing all its fragility leaving her imprints upon me A riddle I cannot begin to guess She's not inventing the wheel She's not first to feel like she's the only one coming up against herself Ooh. Ooh. she's the spitting image of her old man in a spiral the more responsibility, the more you crave denial The wind speaks like an orator, some message from the wild With the courage of a mother letting go of her first child 
life in all its fragility Leaving her imprints upon me A riddle I cannot begin to guess She's not the crop or the cream She's not about to seem Like she's the only one Coming up against herself How far, how wide and how deep How bad could it be To blow it off and run away From yourself Waking up to a heavy cup Ambition drinking me Helpless I watch another death Play out on TV I render it down to size and sound And it comes as no surprise To sleep all through the night And still wish to open my eyes Life in all its fragility The midwife of this urgency a moment I may never get again Oh, a moment I may never get again Oh, a moment I Thank you so much. I think you're awesome. This is maybe the angriest song I've ever written. Anger is an important emotion, you know? Constructive anger, that is. This is called Your Hate Could Power a Train. Raised 
Madison Cunningham, welcome to E-Town. Thank you. So good to have you here. Man, oh man. Um, I guess a little bit of background is in order. You grew up in Costa Mesa, California. Yeah. Homeschooled, as I mentioned. Um, it was a church environment. Your dad was the pastor. Yeah. You were a teenage choir director. That's a, a bit of insight. Was it an evangelical kind of a church that you were in? Correct, yeah, it was an evangelical, like, non-denomination, denominational church, and I was basically, I grew up in, I was born in, in that church. Yeah. Ten, I mean, not literally, but um, yeah. you knew that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I grew up there, and I, I left when I was probably eight, 17, 18, yeah. and then just started to pursue music outside of it, but that was the stage that I first played on and learned how to play and sing and play electric right. guitar and sing at the same time. So yeah, I, I got a lot of experience out of that. You did the same thing that Rufus did as a teenager. You just said, oh, this is what my family does. I'm going to take a left turn and right. go try something else. 
Totally, totally. Yeah, like it, it was so important to me to find my individuality in it. Yeah. And it was really intimidating though, because you know, the church that I grew up in was, they were very scared for me. They were all like, everybody was very much like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You're going to get hurt. And they weren't wrong. I got hurt, but it was like necessary and good. And like, yeah. and I'm so thankful that I did. And it was a necessary risk, I think. You have a little insight that not everybody does. And I wonder, because they were fearful for what would happen to you on the outside, did that mean that you were raised thinking that everybody else was kind of less than or bad or scary? Or was it divisive, in other words, your worldview? Totally. And I, I you know, I, I shed all of it and found, you know, my way out of it and into a different worldview. But um, certainly, I think it just preached a lot of fear towards other or something right. outside, you know, yeah. and or made everything else other. Which, which is a curiosity because the fundamentals of Christianity is sort of more about, it's hey, supposed to be in we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, let's shift gears and talk about music because I um, have a lot of friends. <laughs> um, I have a lot of friends who are amazing musicians, technically proficient in, of the, at the highest level. And there is a danger that I perceive in their pursuit in that sometimes their technique and their proficiency leads them to a path where they are playing to impress their friends or mm. playing, creating compositions that are so complicated that they're more clever than soulful. And I get lost. I don't, I lose interest in their amazingness, yeah. but it's like, I don't care after a while. Yeah. So you are doing something that is incredibly technically proficient, difficult, really hard to do, while singing and with odd time signatures that feel natural. I don't mm -hmm. know how that all works. And you keep the groove. You keep this thing percolating to where it's complicated, but it actually feels so natural. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know how that happens. That means a lot. That's what I strive to do. Because I think, you know, there was, I, I went through so many different stages as a musician. There was so much to prove at the beginning. I think to other people, but mainly to myself, I wanted to, to be virtuosic or something, or I, I wanted to be impressive. I wanted to play fast. I wanted to, and then I quickly got really sick of it because I, I just started caring about songs. And the guitar just became a vehicle for that. And just finding the heart of what I wanted to say was so much more important than actually the vehicle itself. Yeah. But the you vehicles. still you still impress your friends. Well, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I still want to. I suppose yeah. there's that. I I feel like I'm fighting against that now at this age because I've lived a little bit more life and there's more experience and I understand heartache a little more. And sometimes, like a thousand notes per minute, doesn't allow you to feel heartache. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I I think I've just tried to just make space for a moment and yeah. for other humans to be like, oh. I feel that, or yeah. I want to insert my stuff into it, you know? I think yeah, that's really important. Fundamental conundrum between head and heart, essentially. You know? Right, and the thousand notes in between, yeah. Yeah. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Madison Cunningham. I, I imagine, and I don't know that this is true, but you construct your songs sort of around guitar riffs that you discover, and um, I know that I will sometimes just spend a long time looking for something and then finding something and then maybe recording it on my iPhone or something like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of where songs start for me. That's usually the like the impetus is 
is it a chord progression or something that like kind of draws a melody out of me and then I figure out what to say kind yeah. of from there but yeah again guitar is just it's something that endlessly interests me so I think that's why it remains to be the vehicle although I have to say like the last four or five months I've had a really funny relationship with it and I've just played piano so when I'm home that's what I'm doing yeah next time we visit she'll say yeah I've kind of moved on from piano now I'm just doing nuclear physics I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like decided to, to pick that up or I'll just go to bass probably yeah just go to bass yeah um, you mentioned that you're older now at 27 and uh, <laughs> have more experience with heartache. Um, this seems like a tough moment for a young person. Wars and climate and economy and politics and stuff. It seems like there's a lot sort of standing in your way as you look ahead. Is that how it feels? I, don't, I mean, I didn't live in any other generation except this one, so not much to compare it to, but I, I do feel that people in their 20s are having to just get far more serious about life. I think we're just confronted with it, especially with like the little TVs in our pockets, you know, we're always seeing stuff happening. And I think it's really hard to look away from just generally that like the disaster that the world is just kind of has always been going through, you know? I guess that's the question I always ask. I'm like, is it getting worse or do we just have TV now? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. There's certainly lots more information coming your way all the time. Yeah. Technology is making it feel worse, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but that being said, it's, it's certainly just a really heavy time to be a young person and to yeah. like not know what the future really has ahead. But you're lucky you've got music. We all are. Yeah. We were all lucky to have music in our lives. Um, Rufus is coming out, and I understand you guys are going to do a couple things together. But meanwhile, we've got lots more to hear from you. Yeah. So would you please help me welcome back to E-Town, Madison Cunningham. Trying to warn the enemy 
Cunningham, Los Angeles, California. Her record is called Revealer. She'll be out later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. As a reminder for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. Thank you. 
Madison Cunningham will be back to play some more great music later in the show. And coming up, more from Rufus Wainwright. Um, before we get back to music, you know that since we started E-Town back in 1991, we have regularly been featuring conversation and information about sustainability and climate change and renewable energy and all of that hippie stuff that we are so committed to, the E in E-Town. And it's kind of an awkward combination. Oh, that was a great song by Mavis Staples. Now we're gonna talk about how we're all facing inevitable decline as we destroy the earth. <laughs> Let's get back to music. But we have, uh, we've managed to do it and we've managed to stay committed to it because we think it's important. And, um, and it's actually all connected because it's all about community. It's all about how we treat each other, how we live, and music brings us together. So um, we are forging on. Um, this week is, is no exception. Uh, our next guest is all about combating the kind of paralysis and overwhelm that happens when you think about big issues and you're just one person. Margaret Klein-Solomon is the executive director of the Climate Emergency Fund. She's the author of the book called Facing the Climate Emergency, How to Transform Yourself with Climate Truth. She's um, an advocate for kind of an all-hands-on-deck approach. She's also trained as a clinical psychologist, and so she's gonna help us understand what all this feels like as much as anything else. So please welcome to E-Town, Dr. Margaret Klein-Solomon. Margaret, welcome. Welcome to E-Town, glad you could join us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. So I mentioned you were trained as a clinical psychologist. What um, led you to this, this uh, shift into uh, climate work? So I had a freak out about the climate emergency about 10 years ago when I was finishing my PhD in New York City. And then I had a kind of conversion experience to uh, doing everything that I can to protecting humanity and the living world from this absolute catastrophe that we are careening towards. And you didn't just crawl under the covers and curl up in a ball. At first I did. Yeah. But I used my psychological tools and understanding to move through that and into action. And that's really what I'm trying to get us all to make that transformation. Yeah. It's a lot like experiencing the sort of stages of grief, isn't it? This shock when we come to know. But for most people, it's, it's also the, it starts with knowing, right? It starts with understanding the science and actually recognizing that it's true. Yes. But I think that even though it's so hard, it's still incumbent upon us to look at what is actually happening if we want to live in reality yeah. and have a chance. Yeah, we, in your book, um, Facing the Climate Emergency, you, uh, you outline these sort of steps towards how one might transition from paralysis and uh, being overwhelmed to understanding it. And maybe we can, like the first one is in fact just getting the information, right? Yes, understanding intellectually the scale and scope of the emergency. That's step one. And that's, uh, not everyone gets there, but honestly, a lot of people stop there and just say, okay, we're doomed. Let me just uh, 
block out this knowledge as much as I can and mm -hmm. move on with normal life. Mm. I mean, these issues are so huge. It's not easy to uh, find a way to get sort of a foothold on anything that might be productive. In fact, when we started doing our radio shows and we were talking about these big issues, we began featuring stories, the Achievement Award stories, about individuals doing good things in their communities that added up and made a difference, simply to try to remind folks that, yes, one person can, in fact, do good stuff. But it is so big. But, but you're right, facing the facts is the first step. Then comes, basically, um, fear and grief, right? Yes, fear, grief, rage, terror, guilt, alienation is, yeah. a, is a huge one. No one understands, I'm all alone with this. People wanna turn away from that and they want to go into denial or numb those feelings. But in fact, in terms of psychological health as well as political efficacy, we should do just the opposite and we should welcome those feelings explore them, talk about them, and to ultimately use those painful feelings to motivate yourself individually and ourselves collectively into transformative action. Yeah. I do think that this is a process that we can each personalize, and that's another part of your message, which is just make it real for yourself in your own life. But it's important, to, as you say, to identify the emotions, process them, not run away from it, digest the whole thing. So I think it's important work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us. And if people want to get more, obviously her book is available here and elsewhere. And um, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. Margaret Klein <laughs> Solomon. Thanks so much for being here on E-Town. Director of the Climate Emergency Fund. I should mention... Um, uh, not to put too much of a happy face on all of this, but there is some good work happening locally, too. There was a national competition for young people in college to do a design engineering project that would have an impact. Many, many people submitted their applications, their projects, and the team from the University of Colorado here won that competition for a project... For a project... Um, they are called the Green Grad Buffs. They won a national competition converting a coal-fired power plant in Denver to solar and wind energy. And uh, they plan to harness solar and wind power for the plant's underground heating network, coupled with lithium ion and thermal battery storage. And they're here today, these uh, promising young leaders of climate change. Um, maybe, are you, are you around? Can you stand up if you're in the neighborhood here? Yeah, these are masters of the environment grad students. Thomas Hill, Tatiana Hewitt de Basilar, Patrick Fagan, Emily Cummins, and Andrew Bayless. Congrats to you guys. Good work. Welcome back, if you would, Rufus Wainwright.
Rufus Wainwright, welcome to E-Town. Such a good singer. Love hearing oh. you sing. You're such, Thank you. You're a committed singer, man. <laughs> no, seriously. I will say that we did a COVID thing. Rufus and I did a remote E-Town session. Yes. 
during the COVID shutdown. And during that time, I asked you about, well, who would you like to sing with who you really haven't gotten a chance to sing with yet? And you said, Brandy Carlisle. Yes. And so I called Brandy's manager and I said, hey, there's this guy, Rufus. And yeah. yeah. And uh, we ended up making the, a pretty cool thing. Yes. During the, you know, as best we could. Yeah, we you did a LA. great song. Yeah, that's such a great, we did the, the Sandy Denny, Who Knows Where the Time Goes, which is one of the great songs, yeah. one of the greatest songs I've ever written. Yeah, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. And of course, that video is easy to find if you want to. But um, it, it was something that I, I'm proud to say is now something <laughs> you and Brandy perform together when, yes. you, when you cross paths. And yeah, when she's, she does something with Pink and then she does that with me, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joni comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Wipes the floor clean. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> celebrities, you know, I mean, you've, you've, you've chosen a bunch of interesting people to record on this Folkocracy yes. record. Yes. So that was a, a wide palette of folks yes. from Chaka Khan to David Byrne to Brandy Carlisle and yeah. many others. Did you just like wait to see whose numbers you had or how did you well, do that? There was a little, a little bit of that, and also, I mean, I we live in Los Angeles, so it was also who was in town, yeah. which is is one of the great yeah. perks of living in, in in Hollywood is that you can call up, you know, Shaka Khan if you need to. Um, I think anybody can. She's very approachable, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so it was that, but I also kind of wanted singers who you didn't necessarily associate with folk to be on the record. People like John Legend and so forth, who, who uh, just would give the, the, the material a little more of a slant, yeah. you know? Well, good luck with the, uh, with the Grammy nomination. Good luck yeah. with your um, <laughs> frenetic and, yeah. uh, you know, creative path. Okay. Welcome back, if you would, Rufus Wainwright.
We'll be back with more from Rufus Wainwright after a short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. If you happen to tune in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It'll be available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like WNYE in New York City, on KROV in Oroville, California, and on KBAC down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. As always, if you'd like to hear more information about any of the stuff that's going on at E-Town, so much is available online. You can find out how to get tickets to live shows. You can find links to videos, and you can learn all kinds of stuff about what's happening at E-Town at etown.org. Please help me welcome back to the stage, along with Madison Cunningham, Rufus Wainwright. Now we're going to cheer things up a bit with the murder ballad. Uh, this is a song, uh, an old 
folk song that uh, I learned from uh, that amazing album, Songs Our Daddy Taught Us by the Everly Brothers. When I first made this album and, and sang this song, it, it, my daughter was Viva. She was about 10 at the time and uh, just immediately gravitated towards the, the murder ballad, of course, and wanted to learn that. It's amazing how kids just, I think kids really understand how horrible the world is, like, they, and kind of dig it in a no. <laughs> In a weird, whatever. They're quite morbid children. Um, so, one positive thing. <laughs> it's a kid song. Here we go. Down in.
So uh, this last uh, song is uh, by a dear friend of mine who sadly is, is no longer with, with us, but the great Lou Reed. Um, and uh, it's trying to be happy. Um, and I think it's coming out on an album. An album. We, we recorded this. As, I, don't, I don't think has it been released yet. This I record. I mean, we should know. We should did, know. Right? We should know because um, we are professionals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, an, it's a tribute album to to Lou that to his wife Laura Anderson put together. And uh, yeah, it's called Perfect Day. Just a perfect day Drink sangria in the park And then later when it gets dark We go home Just a perfect day Feed animals in the zoo then later a movie too And then home Oh, it's such a perfect day I'm glad I spent it with you It's such a perfect day You just keep me hanging on perfect day problems are left alone weekenders out on our own it's such fun just a perfect day you made me forget myself I thought I was someone else, someone good. Oh, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Oh, it's such a perfect day. You just keep me hanging on. You just keep.
reap just what you sow. You're gonna reap just what you sow. Rufus Wainwright. Along with Madison Cunningham. Special thanks to these guys and to our house band. We're going to do one more song. We want to thank everybody for being on the show. So glad we could bring these two together. Rufus Wainwright, Madison Cunningham. Special thanks to our house band, the hardworking E-Tones, who did a great job this, this show. Thanks to our guest, Margaret Klein-Solomon, helping us understand the deeper implications of the climate crisis. Thank you, Margaret. Thanks to Helen Forrester. Thanks to our crew. This song is about making sure that despite all the chaos and challenges outside, you find your center, hang on to it. I'm Nick Forrester. Hope you can be with us next week right here in Etown.
This is a production of E-Town.